0: Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart, I'm the Minister and it's my privilege to welcome you along to this one of our services from a Sunday morning. You can find us on the web at st-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk So sit back, relax and enjoy the service. Hi and welcome to this week's service from St. Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart, I'm the Minister at St. Ninian's but this week I'm on holiday so you are in the capable hands of Gillian story, Yvonne Hamilton and Anne Thompson. Enjoy the service and I'll see you next week.
1: This morning's reading is taken from the book of Matthew chapter 10, reading from verses 24 to 39. No pupil is greater than his teacher, no slave is greater than his master. So a pupil should be satisfied to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If the head of the family is called Belzebul, the members of the family will be called even worse names. So do not be afraid of people. Whatever is now covered up will be uncovered and every secret will be made known. What I am telling you in the dark You must repeat in broad daylight, and what you have heard in private you must announce from the housetops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of God, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. For only a penny you can buy two sparrows, yet not one sparrow falls to the ground without your father's consent. As for you, even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. Those who declare publicly that they belong to me, I will do the same for them before my Father in heaven. But those who reject me publicly, I will reject before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the world. No, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set sons against their fathers, daughters against their mothers, daughters-in-law against their mothers-in-law. Your worst enemies will be the members of your own family. Those who love their father or mother more than me are not fit to be my disciples. Those who love their son or daughter more than me are not fit to be my disciples. Those who do not take up their cross and follow in my steps are not fit to be my disciples. Those who try to gain their own life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake will gain it. And may God bless the shedding of his holy word.
2: Amen. Hi, I'm Yvonne Hamilton and I'm one of the elders here in St Ninian's LEP Stonehouse. One of the things I enjoy being part of is our morning prayers and thanks to Zoom, we've still been able to continue to meet on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. Not only is this a time set aside for prayer, but it's a time where we can talk through the reading chosen for that day. Some readings are harder to understand than others, but it's amazing how talking through them with other people can often make you see things differently. I don't mind sharing with you that today's reading that Jillian read from Matthew's Gospel is one of those harder ones for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone. It's tough. It seems that it's full of cost and choice. In this passage, it's almost as if Jesus is giving his disciples a wake-up call. He says some things that seem quite out of character, things that seem contrary to his normal teaching. Do not think I have come to bring peace with a sword. These words certainly don't sit well with our understanding about Jesus's teaching of love, care, compassion, or even with the teaching about honouring the members of your family and household. Yet, we can't ignore these stern and uncomfortable words just because they don't fit well with our idea of Jesus' unending love for the whole of humankind. Neither can we make the excuse that these words were just fitting for that occasion when Jesus was merely addressing his disciples at the time. Not if we really believe that the Bible is a living and breathing word of God in each and every successive generation. These words still echo in the Christian church of today. They are still relevant in our generation. So what is Jesus saying? Do not think I have come to bring peace, but a sword. Sword is a weapon. So why then would the Jesus we know say this? This is difficult, because we think of Jesus as an agent of peace. After all, there are plenty of verses in the Bible that associate Jesus with peace. He's called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah. And we're told in Luke that he has come to guide our feet into the way of peace. And isn't it Jesus who advocates peace again in Luke's gospel with the words, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And wasn't it Jesus who said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God? All of this seems to bring confusion as to what Jesus is about. Is he a man of peace? Then why does he say he comes to bring a sword and not peace? And why division to families rather than unity and harmony? Well, it helps if we read from the synoptic Parable and look chapter 12, verse 51, in which it is written Do you suppose that I came to bring peace to the world? No, not peace, but division. The sword represents division. In this way, Jesus is using the sword not as a weapon, but rather because he knows that by following him there will be divisions, even within families. And again, just because this passage is problematic doesn't mean that it's unhelpful or that we should dismiss it as something which we don't need to take seriously. On the contrary, it's a useful lens through which we can focus our own notions and misconceptions about peace and the Christian lifestyle. The first misconception is that we often equate peace with the absence of anything, avoid or calm, but actually, peace is full, active, and the stuff of life itself. Secondly, we tend to think of peace as synonymous with harmony and agreement. But in fact, a great many women of peace throughout history have been what we may call troublemakers. People who have been outspoken and willing to cause division and controversy for the sake of justice and a better way of living. People like Gandhi, Desmond Tutu, Martin Luther King, and of course Jesus, both the Prince of Peace and the supreme example of the troublemaker. The first half of Matthew is about Jesus sending the twelve disciples out into the villages as missionaries who will tell people that God's kingdom has come to earth through Jesus and who will exercise Jesus' own authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal. For this, Jesus says, you will be opposed. I am sending you out a sheep among the wolves. You will be arrested and whipped and stand trial. But don't worry about what to say or how to say it. When the time comes, you will be given what to say. For the words you will speak will not be yours, they will come from the spirit of your father speaking through me. Your own family members may betray you, and everyone will hate you because of me. Not exactly encouraging or reassuring words for the disciples. Perhaps for us, living in our part of the world, it's difficult to imagine that the persecution of Christians is getting more severe than ever. It's affecting increasing numbers of believers around the world. The charity Open Doors reports that a staggering 260 million Christians in the top 50 countries on the World Watch List face high or extreme levels of persecution for their faith. Last year, 2,983 Christians were killed for their faith. That's almost half the population of Stonehouse. Perhaps for us, these family relationships Jesus talks about seem extreme. But the reality for many young Christians in Africa and Asia is that choosing to follow Jesus causes conflict and division in families. However, there are times when we too may face conflict with our own families when we choose to follow Jesus. The conflict felt when a child once happily attended church decides they no longer want to participate in religious practices held dear to their parents. The conflict felt when you choose to attend worship, perhaps missing out on time with your family. Or at times when other members of the family don't share our faith, they may resent our faith choices and the impact that those choices have on them. But what if we were faced to make a choice, a choice between our family and Jesus, to choose which relationship is most important to us, to choose who we love the most? Is Jesus asking us to make that choice? And if so, does that mean that we must reject our parents, our children, Our partners? No. That's not what Jesus is saying or asking. Jesus isn't saying that we are only to love him. But what he is saying is that we must make our relationship with him priority. Yes, prioritising Jesus in our life does upset others, even our own families, who might not understand. But by doing so, It gives us identity and our life's meaning and direction. It becomes the lens through which we see the world, each other and ourselves. It's the foundation on which we build our lives. It guides the choices we make, the words we say and the ways in which we act and relate. It sets a trajectory for our lives and it determines how we love. After all, We all want to love as best we can, but we do that only when we choose Jesus first. It's the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. God is aware of and loves each and every one of us, regardless of race, culture, gender, lifestyle or sexuality, all of which cause division within communities, families and church. But no one is excluded from God's love. This gospel message of Jesus' is tough. It's difficult to hear because it's demanding. That's why Jesus's challenge to the disciples had to be so sharp and why it still remains sharp for us today because people still prefer comfort to challenge. The comfortable and familiar approach to life, rather than speaking out for our faith and for what we believe. Jesus was a man of peace, but he didn't hold back in his words. He wasn't frightened to speak out, even if that put him in a difficult position. That's the sword he refers to, and that's the division between families that he talks about. Even though this passage may be difficult to hear, that shouldn't make us put it to one side, but rather it should invigorate and inspire us to live the lives worthy of our calling. Discipleship isn't easy. There are costs and choices to be made, often difficult choices. But my hope is that by loving God, all our heart, soul, mind and strength. By choosing to love him first, we become more like Jesus, unafraid of speaking out for peace, justice, equality and discrimination, and demonstrating love and compassion through our words and actions each and every day, no matter the cost.
3: And now our prayers for ourselves and others. Let us pray. The world can make us doubt, Lord, when we see people marginalised and persecuted for their sexuality, gender, lifestyle, age or culture. This world can make us doubt, Lord. This world can make us tired, Lord, when the news is 24 seven of plight, pain and poverty. When leaders say and do what we reprimand our children for, when a pandemic keeps us inside and challenges keep on challenging, the world can make us tired, Lord. What can the world make us learn, Lord? When there are naked to be clothed and hungry to be fed in food banks, when there are thirsty needing water, what can the world make us learn, Lord? The world can compel us to love, Lord. Your love compels us to fight against poverty and discrimination and stand together in prayers with our neighbours. Love compels us to give and act as one. The world can make us love, Lord. The world can make us hopeful, Lord, when scientists are looking for a vaccine, when health workers and carers are giving their all, when we are supported by our worshiping community and our minister. This world can make us hopeful, Lord. So, Lord of all hopefulness, give us strength and support that we need in this world to preach your message of love and courage. Amen. The Sparrow has value to God and creation. The worm has value to God and creation. You, we are cherished by God. Every moment of constructive conversation teems with value and responsibility. Every reflective silence is rich in potential. This time, this creation, this life needs us. No holding back, no holding in, no waiting. Go, live and be counted and serve God today, tomorrow and always. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this service. If you've got any comments, then you can leave them here on anchor.fm. And don't forget, you can find us on the web at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk.